Welcome to the Adventures in Online Business podcast, a podcast of two guys thinking out loud while building and scaling their online businesses. Now, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd ask that you go to your favorite podcast app or player and rate, review, and subscribe. Now, without further ado, here are those two guys building and scaling their online businesses, Stephen Faust and Michael Tanner. Michael Tanner, Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing, sir? Dude, we are freezing in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> it's 39 degrees right now. Right now? And it's raining. It's raining. Yes. Oh my gosh. So we uh, we run the risk of ice, but we'll see how that goes. Hopefully we'll escape it. How's it going there in Phoenix? Well, I'm just looking here at my phone. 64 degrees. 64. 64. It's going to be 39 tonight, so a little little chilly. But the good news is, is the next 10 days is sunny. Can't sunny. complain. Yeah. Highs well, in the high 60s and 70s. So it's it's looking oh, looking man. beautiful in Phoenix. That's looking really good. I mean, I don't think we're supposed to get out of the 30s for the next couple of days. And and as I said, we are running the risk of the wet stuff turning into ice. We'll see. Well, it's a little bit of a misnomer that you live in Atlanta. Actually, you're north of Atlanta, up in the north, yes, in the hills yes. of Georgia. I don't even know what it's called in the south, but they're not mountains. They're like <laughs> they're like rolling hills. Well, right? here in Georgia, we call them the North Georgia Mountains. Okay, but yeah, when you're comparing them to the Rockies out there. Uh, then yeah, they're not. Or even <laughs> if you go on further up north into the Appalachians, yeah, uh, then they're mountains, right? But here in North Georgia, yeah, they're probably more properly called hills. Yeah, and it, but it's it's colder where you're at than in Atlanta proper, I guess. So uh, it, it definitely is. Yeah, I mean, there's usually a good five degree swing, and then it, you go another sixty miles north of me, and there's another ten degrees. Yeah. Or so. Yep. Cold. Well, awesome, yep. my friend. I'm glad to hop on here with you today, do another episode, episode number 71. We're, I can't believe we're that far along already, but really, no. uh, that's, it's uh, going. Time flies, my friend. And today we got a, got uh, something on our minds. I know we wanted to share with our audience. What, what is that? Yep. Yeah, so I thought it'd be timely to talk about the January monthly review that we did inside of our mastermind. Um, I, I know maybe our podcast listeners that are regulars have heard you and I talk about the the annual planning that we did. Uh, we did this back in October. We've talked about it a couple of times on the podcast. I know I've mentioned it several times. But as we did that inside of our mastermind group, we decided that this year what we wanted to do was a, a monthly review uh, according to our plan. So how is our business going according to our plan? And what we had decided to do was to take the first mastermind meeting of every month and review the previous month, the prior month, right? So uh, here in the first meeting in February, all of us kind of presented our, our January numbers, how they went, you know, what we learned from January. Did, were we according to plan or above plan, below plan? Uh, and, and so we just shared some insights there. And then uh, some feedback back and forth and and so forth. So I thought we'd just talk through the audience a little bit about what did that even look like? What did uh, that uh, January review look like when we got together in our mastermind group? How's that sound? No, it sounds good. It's a little, little scary, a little nerve wracking for me. It's the first time that we've, we've as a group in our mastermind kind of revealed the vulnerable. I know you teach a lot about being vulnerable and, and sharing that to build mm -hmm. trust and deeper relationships, but 
we, you and Heather and I have a, a pretty lengthy relationship at this point, but still just to go out there and kind of put yourself out there and say, it, and you look in the mirror and say, did I succeed or did I fail based on what I expected to do? It's still, it's, it's kind of a little, you've got to get yourself prepared for that. And, and that was certainly no different for me. So I think this is in some ways, again, very therapeutic to be accountable, to put something out there and to say, did we achieve what we thought? If not, why? And if we did, what did we do that we can rinse and repeat on? So I think it's a great conversation. Yeah, no, I agree with you, Stephen. And I mean, even I feel like we have really, really good relationships. Um, I would even call them friendships, right? I mean, it's not just professionally here, we're working together or something like that. I mean, it, it's, it's a good friendships, I would call them. But even when that's the case, I agree with you. You feel a little bit exposed. You feel like, a, oh man, I'm, I'm showing these guys numbers and, and uh, either, you know, maybe I'm show, I'm projecting or showing them numbers that suggest I'm, I'm, I'm short in some way, right? I'm not, uh, I'm not leading up to the plan that I had put in place. And, and so that feels a, you're, you're right. I mean, it feels a little vulnerable there, but I, I know we're not necessarily talking about the importance of a mastermind group here, but that's what makes that mastermind group so important and so powerful is the fact that we can get together and we can share numbers with one another. Uh, and we share those numbers and we understand that everyone else has this attitude, has this spirit of, I want to, I want to help you make those numbers better. Right. No one's looking at those numbers, you know, and, and under their breath thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't do very good or I did better. Everybody's looking at, at it from a standpoint of how can I help you make those numbers even better? Right. I mean, if, it, you know, even if we are succeeding, how can I help you make those numbers even better? And that's the spirit and the attitude of our of our mastermind group. And I believe why it's so powerful, because if I can. If I can come to you guys and just talk in vague, you know, language about, yeah, you know, my business is doing okay. I'd like for it to be doing better. And so, well, then it's really hard for you guys to give me any kind of real solid input and insight as to, well, here's how you can make it better. But if I give you the exact numbers, then it becomes much easier for you guys to, to kind of pour into that and say, well, if you change this up, or maybe if you do more of that over there, uh, so it, it just it enables the others in your mastermind group to give you a you know better direction, uh, even though it feels a little vulnerable. I think it's super valuable in the growth of your business for sure. I agreed. It's it's super valuable, super accountable, and it really points to areas that you can continue to prove uh, to prove out and get better at, and and that feedback is invaluable. So awesome. Let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. So just. Again, a little bit about kind of, well, what did we do? So again, it was the first meeting, our first mastermind meeting in February. So we had essentially closed the books on January. And so what we all did was we, we kind of dove into the numbers of our business strictly with the, you know, the, the blinders of just looking at January. So we were looking at the revenue that came in in January. We were looking at our expenses that we, you know, that were going out in January uh, I know we also looked at how we're distributing in, into profit and into wages and things like that. I mean, we've talked on this podcast about how we have adopted the profit first, uh, you know, financial model in our businesses. And so, you know, we talked about, well, what were the distributions in those areas and so forth. Uh, and, you know, from that, 
we were also able to look at, for instance, in our revenue, for instance, my, my revenue looked totally different in January than I had projected it to look. Uh, because when I talked about uh, the 21 plan, I wasn't planning any workshop revenue coming in until at least February. But I had one workshop come in in January. And so that made my January numbers look a lot different than what I had planned. Really, in January, all I had was coaching revenue. Uh, and in fact, I was supposed to finish the month of January in the red, if you will. So I was, my expenses were going to outnumber my revenue in the month of January, but then make that up in the month of February. As it turns out, it looks like those are going to be flip-flop for me. I'm going to uh, come ahead in January and I might come up short in February. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, but those are different. And so I was able to to look at that and you guys gave me some really good feedback on uh, some, you know, we'll maybe do more of this and maybe change some things up. So anyway, that's, that's kind of the gist of what we did in that annual review. Yeah. And, and I got tremendous value out of what you walked through and what Heather walked through. And as I looked at mine and, and that's why it's called a plan, right? We put this plan together at the end of the year and things unfold. And sometimes they go according to plan. Sometimes they don't, but that's why it's a plan. It's not a it's not in stone. It's not a stone tablet of, of a plan. It's, it's designed, and you shared with me during this, because I, I got into a little bit of a mindset of, of, of this, is, this is what I planned, and this is what I'm always going to variance against. This is what I'm going to say I said I would do, right. and this is what I did, and that's going to be the way it is, and that's kind of in a stone tablet. And you said, come on, man, just, you, you gotta, you gotta change that up a little bit. So, what you've encouraged me to do and what I think I'm going to do going forward is recognize that I'll always have this baseline plan. I'll always have the plan in place that going into the year, the mindset I was in as the year of 2020 ended, I thought of 2021 in a certain context, a certain way, a certain number of revenue streams and products and expenses. And that's not changing. I, I've always had right. that initial thought. But as we now have evolved and went through the month of January, and now we're in the month of February of 2021, uh, things do look different. They do change a bit. They do morph as we as we get down this road of life and business and and just the normal nature of things. So now it's about adjusting my plan to more of an outlook or a forecast based on the reality of things that I know today. It doesn't change my original plan, but it's going to be interesting to see. The plan that I put into place originally, now the, the reality of what happened in January, how I look at that and make changes for February and beyond, and, and maybe just it keeps evolving, keeps evolving as we get down the road. And then take a look back over a quarter or over the year and say, here's what I thought, here's what I did, here's what I changed. And it, what it really does is it causes us, and, and specifically to my plan, causes me to get smarter and to become yeah. a better uh, you know, prognosticator of the activities and things that are going to drive revenue. And I think when we wake up a year from now or three years from now or 10 years from now, we'll have this process pretty dialed in and we'll really understand how our business flows and what we can legitimately expect to likely occur based on our experience. And that's something that yeah. as you know, new online business 
entrepreneurs for the what we've been doing, we're still figuring a lot of this stuff out. But what I love is the fact that we're not waiting for all the lights to be on green. Collectively, mm-hmm. you and I and Heather have said, we're going to go figure this out. And to figure it out, we got to get started. And to get started, here's what that looks like today. And now we're down a path of accountability and uh, looking to improve and how we improve our plan going forward. Yeah, you know, so so true, Stephen. I mean, I'm already starting to feel better about planning 2022, uh, you know, just from the things that we've already started learning here in 2021, especially as we did this January review. But I agree with you, and I, I agree with the concept of we created this plan. So as we exited 2020, we have a plan for 2021. And I plan, you know, that P&L that I put together, profit and loss statement that I put together for 2021 I'm saving that file for, you know, permanent record, right? So that's my stake in the ground that says this was my 2021 plan. But as we go through each month of this year, I'm going to, you know, I've got a second version of that P&L that I now change up a little bit along the way. And now I'm, I'm doing more forecasting than I am planning, as you, as you mentioned, right? So, and I just remember as a part of yours, uh, I'll probably get the, maybe the, uh, the revenue streams wrong here, but I just, I think it was maybe your, your ad revenue. Um, you enjoyed more ad revenue in January than you had planned. And what you and I got into a discussion about was, well, unless something just really goes wrong, you can count on that ad revenue because it's it's based on traffic to your website and all that each month. And so why not change up your forecast such that, you know, February, March, April, May on out through December includes that, you know, that or a similar level of revenue that you enjoyed in January. And so that's the difference between that plan, that stake in the ground at the beginning of the year, and now a forecast, it adjusts a little along the way. Um, and yeah, the the ultimately the the total revenue number at the end of the year it may change in your forecast, or it may just change which revenue stream ends up giving you the ultimate number that was in your plan. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And to that point, looking at my plan for what I thought would happen in January and what did happen in January, I had multiple revenue streams. The one, as you mentioned, I call ad networks, which for me is. Monumetric is the ad agency, the ad network that I predominantly use and will use 100%. AdSense is another one that gets some residual revenue based on not, and if you've listened to our other episodes, not having fully moved the websites over and still kind of going through that. I still have some things that are between the two. So I thought going into the year that I would have a certain amount of ad revenue. And the reality, what happened is because I ran into some problems with AdSense and traffic and things like that, what it did is uh, I had a timing shift of my ad revenue because I moved everything over to Monumetric sooner than I had anticipated and thinking I wouldn't have any problems. So I did have a few hiccups. That's been resolved. But But the reality is the payment terms on Monumetric are net 60 days whereas AdSense was net 30 days. So the timing of those payments are pushed out. Therefore, I need to go in and reforecast things out based on the timing of payments. That's just one small example of 
how a plan is a living, breathing document based right. on today. I didn't know that at the end of 2020 when we put these plans into place, but right. it's it's about adjusting to the reality of where we're at. So that's the ad network piece. And then my other streams of revenue were around selling uh, this counseling package that I have. And one of the things that that I did at the end of the year was I said, okay, I'm going to sell X number of counseling packages, which is going to translate into X dollars of revenue. But what I did after we put that plan into place, I doubled my price of the right, counseling right. package. And it was you know, quite nerve wracking to do that, but mm-hmm. I just doubled it based on some coaching I was receiving from a, another friend of mine. And I was selling that at a higher, higher price point, which led to significantly different revenue because I started to promote it differently as well. So I far exceeded the counseling package revenue and I fell short far on the ad revenue. But Mm -hmm. when you look at those things in aggregate, as they kind of blend together, things were pretty good. I also expected to sell a, a pretty good chunk of my promotion points online course. I didn't sell any of those in January. So that revenue stream fell short, but it was offset and made up by revenue on the counseling package where I doubled the price and sold more that I that I intended. So you add all this up, you kind of get to a get to a total revenue that kind of is similar to what I thought, but uh, the geography, you know, the geography yeah. of of the streams was Different. So that's kind of how my my revenue stacked up. I was slightly over. I was I was about four hundred dollars higher on my revenue than I had originally planned. But the streams of that revenue was completely different yeah. than I planned. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's so it's so encouraging that here in the podcast. I mean, you can just start to spout off numbers and kind of know exactly where you are. I mean. You and I know this because we've been listening to people like Rick Mulready and others that that tell us in your business, you have to know the numbers, you know, and I've watched an, uh, enough episodes of Shark Tank to know that if you go in there, you better know your numbers. Um, and, you know, this is, this is why the, the mastermind and the annual planning that we've been talking about is so important is because it forces you to know the numbers. And, and now you like you just said, you can look and realize, well, okay, my, my revenue is pretty much the same as what I had planned or very close to what I had planned, but it came from different places. It came from different revenue streams. And that is so important to be able to identify that. And again, if we didn't have this mastermind and we didn't do this planning, we would just be making vague comments about our, you know, about our business. Yeah. It, it, it seems to be doing okay. You know, I had some decent revenue in January it would all be ambiguous and vague comments, but here we are, we're able to to speak specifically to the numbers of our business. And I also wanted to point out a, a, another attribute of that, that forecasting that we talked about, about that adjusting the plan along the way that I think is so important. And I'll use my plan, for example. So in, in my plan, in my revenue plan for 2021, I had accounted for four workshops, one each quarter, basically, is what I put into my plan. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, the first workshop, the payment for the first workshop came in in January. And here in February, I should have the second workshop 
come in as well. And so what that is making me do, it's kind of making sure that I keep my foot on the accelerator, right? So in the first quarter here, I'm going to be ahead in my workshop revenue. I'm going to be two workshops down already when I only planned four. But what that forces me to do is ask the question, well, should I just forecast two workshops each quarter and then do the work to get those two workshops every quarter? Again, remember, the original plan was one workshop per quarter. But here in quarter one, it looks like I'm, I'm going to get two workshops in. And so should I reforecast the rest of the year and account for two workshops per quarter? So what that does is, again, it just it shows me in the numbers that I can do two workshops in a quarter, and then it encourages me, we'll just keep doing two workshops in the quarter. And then ultimately, obviously, if I do that, then I will exceed my plan in the end of the year. Yeah, and you've had a tremendous amount of success beyond what you originally planned for, at least to start the year, right? right. And that's and that's great. Uh, it, it's phenomenal that the the year started strong and because you've got two workshops that have, I think you said two in January that have closed, right? Meaning you've been invoiced and paid or will be paid in January. Now, the, the first one was paid in January. The second one will be paid in February. February. Okay. Yep. So now you're using that kind of as a proxy for right. how do you view the future? And that's the great thing about, you know, the plans to plan, but the forecast is, you know, what's in the hopper, you know, yep. what leads you have, you know who you're talking to, and every workshop you do, you're going to have you know a greater likelihood of referrals that come out of it just because you're building relationships in these workshops with businesses and individuals. So now you have all of that information at your disposal, and now you are, by definition, just a lot smarter on mm -hmm on that than you were back when you did your plan. So now right. what does that mean? Do you do two a quarter to your, to your point? Do you do, you know, one a quarter, three a quarter, and it doesn't matter, but you're going to make the decision based on the information you have. And then exactly. let's say you do two a quarter for Q2 and it turns out to be three, then you'll just forecast a different number for Q3, Q4 and beyond. Right. So I think it's always a moving target because, because we always, get information that we didn't have. We, we learn more. We learn that the opportunities are greater. We learn that leads we had have fallen off and those opportunities have now quieted and maybe it's not as optimistic or rosy. And it also mm -hmm. tells us that hmm, maybe, maybe we should look at, at either leveraging another revenue stream differently or maybe we should create another revenue stream to help right. us either offset something that happened in our business or to look at growing our business differently than we anticipated. So uh, I think it's a great conversation uh, about all that. And it makes this a full contact sport. This isn't, yeah. you know, wake up in the mor morning, roll out of bed, the plan is set and uh, oh, well, you know, woe is me. It's going to happen. However it happens. It's about taking ownership and treating this uh, with all the moving parts that it is and making these decisions on a regular ongoing basis. So yeah. I, I love the process. I love the discussion. I love 
the relationship and the accountability. Because honestly, if I wasn't in this relationship with you and I wasn't in with Heather, would I be as prescriptive? And I'm a pretty big nerd on this stuff too. So I would probably have it, but would I be that accountable to it is exactly. the, is the yep. key, which is what I love. So that, that kind of buttons up the sales piece, the revenue piece. And then we talked about a couple of things we talked about on our mastermind was this, this notion of a cost of goods sold in the world of, in the world of uh, digital and online and virtual type of products. And what does that look like? And then they, we have the whole kind of the way we look at expenses. So uh, mm-hmm. those can certainly be other things that we walk through here, but any, any other thoughts on the sales? Yeah, no, I, I, on the, on the sales side, I mean, one thing I'm looking forward to, I mean, we're not there yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And I know that when we stick together in our mastermind, we'll get there is when I, when we now put a second year on top of this, then it's going to be so much more, you know, detailed and, and, and dialed in because like the, the whole, uh, workshop per quarter thing that we, I just talked about, right. So maybe I start to forecast two workshops per quarter. And, and so I project that on out, you know, I forecast that on out to the rest of the year, but maybe I get to fourth quarter, you know, a fourth quarter has got November and December in it with Thanksgiving and Christmas and so forth. And I might realize that two workshops in the fourth quarter are not realistic. And then when I go into 2022, now I can plan that. So, so now I understand that the first three quarters of the year, I can get two, maybe three workshops in, but quarter four, I should plan for, or I should forecast maybe just one workshop because it's got the holidays and and new year in it and so forth. And so I'm just, I'm just excited that we're making these adjustments. We're staying disciplined to to stay on top of our numbers throughout this year. And I just feel like it's going to make 2022 just, you know, rock solid in terms of its planning and forecasting for next year also. Yeah. I I love it because the, the, Workshops you have, you're right. The fourth quarter, a lot of businesses just don't take on these these trainings and workshops in the last month of the year. It's it's holiday right. time. People are off on vacation. People are thinking about you know setting up for the next year, and that's not a, a typical. I wouldn't say it never happens, but it's it's just not a typical time where you see companies looking to start new workshops and and training activities like that. So right. Right. Uh, you adjust from that as you learn. Um, but, but it's a perfect way to look at it in my view and the accountability. But now we talked about, and this came up on our call on our last mastermind call was this notion of cost of goods sold, right? We talked about it because we don't, we're not brick and mortar. We don't sell products. We don't sell different things like that. So really there's not a cost of goods sold, but I looked at it and said, you know, uh, what's it cost? to sell something. And it's not a pure way to look at it, but there's a, at least some clarity around if you or I were to do advertising. So in my case, I did a couple of hundred dollars in the month of Facebook advertising. A lot of it was testing and seeing if I boosted posts or I did some sort of small ad, would that make a difference in conversion? Would I end up selling more uh, or not? I'm lucky to have a pretty heavy, uh, heavily engaged Facebook page. So a lot of times I can post something and, and create, generate sales, but not 
have to boost and do advertising. So just testing that to see if I can make good better and seeing yep. if this will pay off. So I did a couple hundred dollars of Facebook advertising. And, and I would also consider Google advertising in this number of cost of goods sold and any affiliate. If I ever do an affiliate, so if you and I were to partner together and you all of a sudden got a big contract with the army to do leadership training and and then you found out they were all enlisted soldiers who were trying to make E5 and E6. And, and then I said, wow, Michael, that's a perfect avatar and audience for me. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how about you uh, pitch my course somehow into your, into your uh, workshop and I'll give you 40% or 50% of, of that sale. So if that were to occur, I would, I would pay out an affiliate commission to you in that case. And I would consider that a part of a cost that was used to generate the sale. So in my case, right. uh, I had a couple hundred bucks of, um, of uh, uh, Facebook advertising. And that just tells me it, it costs me X to generate Y. And it gives me kind of this gross profit number to say, hmm, it costs me some money to, to make some sales. Does the profit resulting from that still feel and look healthy? And for yeah. me, because I, I didn't do much, I still had a, a plus 90% gross profit number as a result. So uh, what do you yeah. think about doing it that way? And is, and is there any other ways that we could think about you know, doing that? Well, no, I, I really like thinking about it that way. As you know, when we got into our, our mastermind meeting, I, I think I went first, but I know I went before you. Yeah, I went first. Uh, and if you if you recall in my profit and loss statement, every month, my cost of goods sold was zero, right? And because I was looking at it from a standpoint of this is a workshop or, you know, I'm doing digital products and uh, and so there is no quote cost of goods sold and and yeah I was thinking about it you know from the traditional sense right if I'm if I'm selling you a car then from the price you pay for the car I have to subtract the the total cost of all the parts that it that I had to gather to put that car together well when we have workshops or digital products and so forth we don't we don't have those hard costs like that but then I then you presented yours and in your cost of goods sold, you had, as you just mentioned, things like advertising and, and things like that. And so I mentioned to you that I really like that. I, I want to do a better job of, of tracking my cost of goods sold. So, you know, after our mastermind meeting and we talked about it a little bit, I, I thought about it a little bit more. And so here's what I thought about. Um, for instance, in my, in my revenue stream for workshops, well, what do I do to, or what do I utilize? What do I have to have in order to uh, present a workshop. Well, I do it on Zoom, right? So there's one cost, right? I, I've, I don't remember what my Zoom plan is or, or, or what I'm on right now, but but it it has a monthly cost. So I should I should utilize Zoom in the cost of goods sold because that's a cost that it takes for me to deliver that workshop. But there's also this concept, and we didn't talk about it in our mastermind, but there's also this call, concept of uh, customer acquisition cost, right? So, so how much did it cost you to get a customer, to get someone to the point that they are, um, you know, paying for a workshop in my case, right? And so I should be counting costs like, uh, so for instance, I, uh, I use sales navigator in, in LinkedIn and, and that's where I do a lot of prospecting for leads and building relationships there that I hope will eventually turn into a paying customer. Well, I should, I should use those costs, like 
LinkedIn's uh, sales navigator and some of those costs as cost of goods sold because that's what it cost me to get from they don't know me at all to the point that they're they're writing a check to me as a customer. So those are kind of two aspects that that I plan to start to incorporate in my cost of goods sold going forward. Yeah, I like that. I wouldn't have thought of that. I wouldn't have thought of Zoom and and Sales Navigator and LinkedIn as a cost of goods sold, but you're right. It's those are the the lead generation tools, for example, mm-hmm. and the way yep. that you the way that you deliver your workshop. And that makes complete sense. And um you and I, we could get so nerdy and geeky over that. We could say, oh man, we had you had one workshop in January, right. for example, and I don't know, what's that ratio? And I had two workshops and you could try to get all fancy with it, or you could just mm-hmm. take it, divide it by 12. And, yes, and, exactly. you know, if you're an annual plan, like I know, I think you are, and I am on yes. Zoom, divided by 12, there it is. And yep. if you don't have a workshop or any revenue in that month, but yet you're claiming a cost of goods sold, then maybe you don't do it and you kind of push it to a month that you do. Uh, Yeah, but it's an interesting way. And I think what it does is it just, it's not perfect, but what it does is it says, you know what, it's not, again, my, one of my favorite things, you don't just roll out of bed and do all this stuff, right? This, there's, there's a, there's a intentional set of things that must occur to be able to, to, to deliver the content or to get the leads that are must haves to get to the revenue point you want versus other expenses that are kind of nice to have, right? And yep. it's, and Agreed. whether that's Calendly or whether that's Canva or whether that's, you know, uh, a, a course that you take, those are great and they help, but they're not essential to deliver yeah. and deliver your product exactly. or execute uh, your, your, your delivery or to get a lead. So I really like, yep. I really like the way that looks. So I'll be looking for other ways that I can, uh, I don't know of any off the top of my head. I have to keep looking, but I think I've captured the few on my side, uh, mm-hmm. given the model that I use. Uh, but that's great. I think that just really takes the evaluation of our the health of our business to another level because yep. you know you could have you know me. I'm a I'm a tool buying fool, so <laughs> right? I could buy GoToWebinar, Zoom. I could buy all these different tools, and I just can't figure it out. So I just buy them all, but that's a real problem, right? That'll tell you you're getting right. out of hand here. Right. And the cost. numbers will show you that very quickly. Yes. And that's, yes. that's yep. been a yep. big aha moment for me is just number one, you mentioned it earlier, profit first. When, when I made the decision to go all in on profit first and really force my business to stand on its own two feet and mm-hmm. not be subsidized by my day job, which has always been an easy, convenient yeah. fallback plan. But when I've done this and moved all of my accounts uh, to Navy Federal Credit Union and decided to implement this process, I feel so much more in control and disciplined around this process. So um, that's been a real help to me. And uh, you were a big, big part of that because I saw what you were doing. And I'm like, enough of this. Let's mm-hmm. just get serious about this as a business as opposed to a hobby. And I even know Heather's going down this, this rabbit hole with us. So that's been a big help. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally changing right over the last year. It's changing from a hobby to a real thing, right? This is real business now. You know, I really, and maybe want to kind of wrap up with this one, but I I really want to hone in on something you talked about, about uh, 
as we were talking about the cost of goods sold there and all, and it doesn't have to be perfect, right? The, the way you're measuring your numbers and all that, it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and in my opinion, you don't, you don't even have to measure them to the penny, but you just have to start measuring them. And then along the way, you can make adjustments. You know, I like, like the whole, the whole zoom cost and, and putting it in the cost of goods sold for my workshops. I could get all twisted up with perfection and say, well, wait a minute. I use zoom for a lot of other things too, right? I, I use, well, we use it. Well, you use your account, I guess, but I use zoom for our podcast. I use zoom for our, our mastermind. I use zoom for connect meetings. And so I could get all twisted up on that perfection and say, well, all right, in a month, how many hours do I use zoom for workshops and how many hours do I use it for other things? And then, and then try to get so, you know, minute with my details right now, especially that's not important to me. It's just important to me that I track the cost of goods sold and that I, I'm determined to use Zoom. And so I'm just going to put all of my Zoom cost in the cost of goods sold for workshops right now. And, and if I want to add more detail to that later down the road, I'll figure that out and I'll do it. But the most important thing for me to do now is just start tracking it and then worry about the, the minute details down the road as I want to make changes. And that's the beauty of this. That's the absolute beauty of this. When you own and operate your own business, your online business, you can decide how nerdy, granular, macro you want to get. And that's why I love doing this because I am in control of my fate. I am in control of the possibilities that this business could bring to me and my family. And that is so energizing to me. It is so motivating to me. It is so uh, just the, the opportunity that I can go generate and create something bigger and bigger every day, every week, every month, every year. Uh, it's, to me, it, now everyone doesn't see it that way. I, that's cool. You know, some people love the day job. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you're out there and you're, looking to pivot and do a side hustle to someday transition that into a full-time business or an online business. I tell you, those are the things that motivate me. The, just yeah. the possibilities and seeing little glimmers of success and hope along the way. So I'll stop there. That's a great place to, to button this up for me. You want to you take us to the house here? Yeah, I'll do that. So I think our call to action to you here uh, in this episode is, you know, know your numbers, start measuring your numbers, build a plan. We've talked about that a number of times on this podcast already, build a plan, measure your numbers according to that plan, and then make adjustments in your business as necessary to meet or, or hopefully exceed your plan. Uh, and then once you exceed your plan, guess what you're going to do next year? You're going to change your plan to an even bigger plan and then go and exceed it again. So I think that's our call to action to you today is know your numbers, track them, measure them. And I, again, it's, this is not about masterminds, but I would encourage you, get in a group of people where you can share the numbers and you can get input from them, feedback from them on, on how you can even improve the numbers even greater. So track the numbers, measure them, share them within a mastermind is our call to action. Be sure you check out the show notes for this podcast episode. Head over to adventuresinonlinebusiness.com. This is episode number 71. You'll find the show notes for this episode there. 
as well as all the other episodes we've published. In that, those show notes, you'll also see links to Stephen's business, to my business as well. So check us out there. Until we speak to you again, get out there, build your business, get after it.